Well, we are continuing our series with wonder in the book of Acts. So I'm going to read the scripture that we're going to look at this morning. We are in Acts chapter 11. This is verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Thank you, Aubrey. Uh, so like she said, we're going to continue uh, through this series in the book of Acts. And as we've went through the Acts, we've seen time and time again people going out and sharing their faith. Is that microphone making a weird noise? Or is that just me? Do you guys hear that? Okay, it's just me. Very good. Maybe it's the Lord speaking. We'll go with it. So Jesus told the apostles uh, in Acts chapter 1, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And on the day of Pentecost, we read about the Holy Spirit falling on them, and they begin to speak in tongues, and it says many people come to faith. And as you continue to read through the book of Acts, you see all these miracles and these healings happen. But then we start to read about a persecution where there's people that don't like what's happening. And we see within the midst of that persecution, Stephen is stoned to death. And this is all really scary for the early believers. The good and the bad is all scary. It's new to them. And then we see the story of Philip fleeing to Samaria. But even in that, God uses it, as it says, many people came to faith there. And then we read a weird story about Simon the sorcerer who wants to buy the Holy Spirit. And then we read about uh, Philip and his encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch. So there's just so many things that happen within the book of Acts. But one of the things that seems to happen over and over again is God calls someone to do something they do it, people get saved, and other people get mad. 
And we see that again in this story we talked about, we'll talk about today and we've talked about for the last couple weeks. So in chapter 10, we see this story of this man named Cornelius. In in chapter 10, verse 2, it says Cornelius, he's described like this, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So we see Cornelius is a good man. He's a generous man. He's a caring man. He has this vision, and an angel tells him to send for a man named Simon, also known as Peter. So being the God-fearing man that he is, he sends his servants to go retrieve Peter. And then we read that Peter, the next day, is hanging out on the roof waiting for lunch to be served, and he falls into a trance. And within that trance, he sees the heavens open up. He has this vision and has this conversation with the Lord. And when he comes out of it, the men that Cornelius had sent are already at his door. And so Peter goes with them. He goes to Cornelius' house, the Gentile's house. Shares the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on him, and Peter baptizes him. So that's a really quick, very broad stroke of what the book of Acts is leading up to today. And I wanted to share all that. I wanted to set all that up for two reasons. One, like I said, what we've shared, talked about the last two weeks, we also see today again in, verse, or in chapter 11. And when the Bible repeats something, it's kind of God's way of saying, hey, pay attention to this. This is important. I'm not saying that there's things in the Bible we should ignore because it's all important. But when it's repeated, it's kind of a way to, to get our antennas up. Because if you think about how the Scripture was originally written, the original manuscripts, you know, you have huge roll, scrolls of papyrus. It's all handwritten. So if you don't have to repeat it, you're not going to repeat it. But this story, this vision is repeated. And secondly, I wanted to share it because when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to sharing the gospel with other people, sometimes many of us struggle myself included. And when we read about people like Peter, who just go boldly and share, and we see these people get saved, there's part of us that says, yes, we want faith like that. We want to be like Peter. But when it comes time to do it, we begin to question our abilities. We begin the what-if game. What if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? What if they attack me? What if they criticize me? What if they don't believe me? What if? What if? What if? And I think Peter gives us some very practical lessons to help us with that. So there's five points, maybe six, uh, that we're going to go through today that I hope you can just take a nugget with you today that will help you share your faith with others. So again, at the end of chapter 10, Peter goes into the the Gentile's house, Cornelius' house. He shares the gospel, they receive the Holy Spirit, and he baptizes them. That's the end of chapter 10. So we pick it up in chapter 11 that Aubrey just read. Verse 1, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God, period. So evidently, these apostles and these believers were good with what happened, because there's nothing more that's said about it. 
The people were hearing about Jesus and they were being saved. That's all good news. So you would think as we kept reading, we would see like, yes, hallelujah, people are being saved. Not so much the case. Because in this time, there were two types of people. You were Jewish or you were Gentile. There was no, there was no in between. And the Jews thought, well, we're God's chosen people. Right? And if you're not one of the chosen, you're obviously a Gentile. But if you go back through Scripture, this is not God's original plan. He wanted the nation of Israel to be a light to the world. But that's not the way that's turning out. They're becoming very close. They're becoming all about themselves. It's an us versus them mentality. And that's something the church even today if we're not careful, we can struggle with. We can become closed. We can think this is all about us. And the Jewish rabbis even went as far to teach some of these things, to promote some of these things. Things that were never the heart of God or in the plan of God, the will of God, or the word of God. For example, if you were a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, and you were to walk through the street, you would probably grab your robe or your garment and you would pull it tight to yourself. Because they believed and they were taught that if your sleeve was to even brush against a Gentile person, you would be considered defiled or unclean. Your, your clothes would have to be burnt or you would have to go through a ritual cleansing to be considered clean again. And there were even rabbis that went as far as teaching that the only reason God made Gentiles was to keep the fires of hell burning hot. Right? We're, we're Jewish. We're God's chosen people. We're the sons and daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacobs. We clearly can't go to hell, so somebody has to. It must be the Gentiles. This was an ideology that they had developed. And we can see it begin to creep in or filter in to the early church. Because the reality is, we're all part of a tradition, right? Whether we know it or not. We're a product of the things that we were taught growing up, whether it be from family or from society. And to be honest, I'm guilty of this. I used to think the church was just full of hypocrites. Just people looking out for themselves. They're all hypocrites. But over time, I've learned two things. We're not full. There's empty seats. And it's not that we're hypocrites. It's that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And in verse 2 and 3, we see some of these legalistic people start, com start to complain about what's happening with Peter. It says, So when Peter went to, up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of un uncircumcised men and ate with them. Notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, hey, Peter, I heard, your, I heard you went and shared the gospel. How'd it go? Did they open up their hearts? Did they receive Jesus? No. They were mad that he had went into their house and ate with them. It's like Peter now had these cooties that there was no ceremonial cleansing that would get off of him. They were so legalistic in their thinking 
that following the law of Moses and the, the covenant, the circumcision rule, they couldn't see what was happening for what it was. And now before we pile on them, we need to remember they didn't have all of this, right? They didn't, they didn't have the entire book of Acts. It's being written as we read it. They didn't have the book of Romans. They didn't know how it turned out. But they had this baggage that they were carrying with them. This idea of Jesus as Savior or salvation by faith, righteousness by faith and not by works, that, that concept was new to them. But I point that out because one of the points I want to make this morning that hopefully you can take with you when you share your, not, not if, when you share your faith with people, everybody has a story. Everybody has a past. And sometimes when we share our faith with people, it takes a little while. We need to be patient for that to get through their barriers. I am guilty of that. It took me a long, long time. So when you share your faith, remember, everybody has a story. And sometimes we even get criticized when we share our faith, just like Peter here. And it says Peter's being criticized by other believers. So let's look at how Peter deals with that. So starting in verse 4, it says, starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Now, when you read that, it seems like a pretty simple line. But I love what it says here. Peter didn't take this criticism as a personal attack. He comes back at them with great humility. And if you're taking notes, that's point two, humility. Peter could have fired back at them, right? Do you realize who you're talking to? Jesus himself called me the rock. Kind of a big deal. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. I walked with him. I prayed with him. I ate with him. Do you know who you're talking to? Who do you think you are criticizing me? But he doesn't. He comes back with great humility. The worst thing that we can do when we try to share our faith and people attack us is to attack back. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So he doesn't attack back. He leads with humility. He starts by from the beginning, and he tells them the whole story. So in verse 5, he starts to tell the story. He's saying, I was praying, and I fell into this trance. The sheet came down from heaven. And I looked at it. I studied it. I saw it. And I saw all these animals, these wild beasts, these reptiles, these birds. I saw them. And so what, what he's doing here is he's sharing evidence. He's giving the evidence of what has happened with him that led him to the decision he did. So if we're, crit if we're criticized, we respond with humility and simply share the facts, the circumstances that led us to the decision we made. It's not a feelings thing. It's not an emotions thing. Because if we share our faith and people get angry about it or they come back at us with their feelings, 
And then we come back at them with ours. We get into this emotional tug of war of which nobody, nobody can win. But when we have God's evidence on our side, that carries weight. Because here's, an, here's another hard point that some of you may struggle with. Your opinion is not as important as you think it is. But when you have God's evidence on your side, then you've got something. And then many of us can recognize what Peter does next. He gets into an argument with the Lord. It says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And the voice responds, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this exchange happens three times. Anybody ever do this? Like, listen, God, I know you're calling me to do this or to do that, but here's the deal. I'm not going to do it, and here's why. I don't know about you all, but that doesn't work well for me. Even if I do it three times, I usually lose. And Peter's also saying, listen, guys, here's the story. This is what I saw, and I argued about it too. I didn't want to do it, so I get it why you're mad. I get it why you're questioning me, why you're accusing me. I didn't want to do it, but this is the evidence. This is what God has called me to do. So it emphasizes the humility and the use of evidence uh, that Peter does. And then in verse 11, Peter does something which I think is brilliant. He's, right then, three men who had sent to him from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. So here, Peter is applying wisdom. And this is what I mean by that. Peter understood that these Jewish men that were attacking him, he understood their culture. He understood that in that culture, and even in their court of law, you could not take one man's word versus another man's word and make a decision. You needed witnesses. You had to have a witness. And we even see this several places in Scripture, but in Matthew 18, 16, where it talks about dealing with sin within the church. It says, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So Peter's saying, listen guys, I get it. You're mad at me. Whatever. I got these witnesses. You need two or three? I'll give you six. In verse 13, it gets even better. He said, he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, send to Joppa, Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So again, Peter's telling them, you can be mad at me. You cannot even believe my six witnesses. But God himself sent an angel into this man's house. Because remember what they're criticizing Peter for. It's not about sharing the gospel. It was about entering a Gentile's house and eating with them. So Peter said, listen, if God can send an angel into this man's house, and he told me to not call anything unclean that he has made pure, If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. And then beginning in verse 15, we'll get to the last point. And it says, I began to speak. The Holy Spirit came on them, 
as he had come on us at the beginning. So at Pentecost, at the beginning of the church, when the Holy Spirit came, and then it says, Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I thought I, that I could stand in God's way? Peter's telling them the authority by which he is operating. He is saying, this is not my doing, guys. The same spirit that came on us at Pentecost came on them. Jesus told us this would happen right before he ascended into heaven. God spoke to me. Jesus had prophesied about it. The Holy Spirit came. Who am I to stand in the way of the triune God? Peter's saying, you, fellas, you can argue with me all day long. You can question my authority. But this, this is God's doing. He did this. It wasn't my idea to go to Caesarea. I didn't even want to go. God told me to go. He gave me a vision to prepare me. These three men showed up. And God told me, don't hesitate to go with them. When I got to the house, a house that an angel had already been in, it was full of people who wanted to hear the good news. So I shared it with them. And I saw a manifestation of the Holy Spirit come into that house. God did this. And he backs it all up with the authority of which he's operating under. And friends, here's the deal. This has authority. The name of Jesus has authority. The more we can get our lives to align with this, the more we can get our words and our actions and even our thoughts to align with this, we can move with authority in the name of Jesus. And I was sharing this at a, at a meeting just the other night. So one of the most impactful things, one of the most meaningful things for me with my time in Haiti, and for those of you who have been there, you probably will recognize this, but when we would go out, we would go to people's homes, or their shacks, if you will. And so we have these Haitian people that it feels like they live in the middle of the nowhere in a shack, and you have this large group of Americans showing up at their doorstep. It had to be intimidating. But Christy, the long-term missionary that lives down there, who would take us to these places, one of the first things that she would always say to people, if not the first thing, is we come in the name of Jesus. We bring you these gifts in the name of Jesus. We bring you this food in the name of Jesus. And friends, it changed everything. You could see walls come down. People were open, receptive to what we had next. Because of the authority of the name of Jesus. And we can see the same thing playing out here. Peter is being criticized, and he understands these people have a story that is different than his own. So he explains with humility 
He shares the evidence with wisdom, and he explains the authority of which he's operating, and he leaves it. But look at verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objection and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. These men who had been trained their entire lives to act a certain way, to think a certain way, to believe a certain way, heard Peter share this and said, okay, I believe you. And they praised God. Now, I'm not naive enough to stand up here and tell you that it's always going to be this easy. But I think this, this story can give us a roadmap, can give us tools to use, that when we share our faith and it doesn't seem to be going well, we have things that we can use. We can operate under God's authority. And hopefully one of those nuggets you can take with you. So next time you get that nudging in your gut, or you have a dream or a vision, or even if you hear the audible voice of God, you can move with confidence you can move with authority. Because if it matches this, we have that ability to move in the name of Jesus. We can surrender it to upper management. Because the reality is we're the sales team. Right? He's upper management. We're just the sales team. We have to be able to surrender ourselves and operate within the authority of the Lord. So we respond with humility, evidence, and wisdom. And like, hopefully, like Peter, if we're patient, knowing that everybody has a story, the kingdom will grow. People will say, yes, I understand now, and praise the Lord. Let's pray. So, Father God, we give you thanks. Uh, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the ways that you use people. Uh, people who are faithful, people that are obedient, people that are willing to say yes, even when it's uncomfortable. And like Peter, even when people criticize them, attack them, we stay faithful. So, Father, I pray that you would place someone on these people's hearts, on all of our hearts, that we can share the gospel with this week, that we can share our faith with this week, knowing and accepting that they have a story that may be really similar to ours or may be completely different. But we can do it with the authority and in the name of Jesus. Because it's not about us. One of the things that Celebrate has said for decades is we do, not, we do not want to be a clubhouse. We want to be a lighthouse. This is not about us. So I just pray that your Holy Spirit would, would use us, would move us. And even when it's uncomfortable, we remember that it's all, it's all about the name of Jesus. 
And it's in that name, the name above all names that we pray. Amen.